Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. Hello, I'm Will Mallard and welcome to another episode of My Property World. And we're joined once again by Adam Lawrence. Today, we've got Adam on to talk about buying an independent estate agency. Adam, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me again, Will. Now, Adam's um, a... He doesn't like to be called a property entrepreneur. He, he certainly has... Uh, been involved in a wide range of um, property ventures uh, and property services ventures. Um, now, one of them, which you may or may not be aware, um, is IPSestates.com. And there, um, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, this, this local agency in Ilkleston, which uh, is on the Nottinghamshire Derbyshire border? Um, and we can get into the detail of how you got involved and why you'd like to uh, possibly buy another one or, or, or get involved in another one. Yeah, absolutely, Will. So um, IPS was started in 2009 um, by my now business partner, who at the time was looking for something that could manage what he built up as his um, residential and commercial portfolio. Uh, and it started as a, a dot-com kind of agency, no high street um, presence at all. But obviously, he has lived in Ilkeston all his life and is locally very widely known as a, a decent-sized landlord and a good, a good landlord and a good um, and fair manager of property and people. So uh, it, it then went on to the high street um, sometime in the early 2010s in order to try and attract uh, some sales. And uh, he took a business partner who brought the sales agency skills, experienced sales agent um, in that equation. And then after some years working together, they parted company. And uh, the, so half of the business then as it was, was, uh, was, was available and up for sale. So I thought I could bring something um, quite different to the table. And also it's not easy to buy half an agency that doesn't really appeal to too many people um, and there were a few problems with selling it not least being that my business partner's portfolio would inevitably have probably been removed from the sale or locked in there for uh, several years which I don't think would have suited any of the parties and therefore uh, the opportunity was there to buy in I'd already um, met Richard through networking and we shared a lot of the same values. Um, we've done a lot of the same stuff. We we both played rugby. You know how that goes, Will. Um, and it seemed to be a, a potentially something that could that could work. So I ended up 
negotiating my way in as a 50% shareholder. Very good. Now, how do you get to uh, that point that you decide that you want to get involved in an agency? So just take yourself back to um, before the conversation started. Yeah, so that, that all started for me in around about 2015, uh, maybe early 2016, when I noticed that the, you know, the scope creep had come along. There was around about 30 or 40 properties at the time. I can't remember the exact number. Um, but what I do remember is that they were taking up a good 25 to 30% of the time um, on, uh, of my working week. And I didn't feel like that time was being spent particularly wisely. I wasn't enjoying it. And I thought, well, really, this, this needs to be taken out of my day to day because it's stopping me from doing deals apart from anything else, which was the key thing that I knew I needed to do in order to keep growing the portfolio. So I thought, right, well, this is a bit of a crossroads decision. Do I go out and buy an agency? Do I go out and start one from the ground up? Do I do something slightly different? Um, and sort of examine the pros and cons of getting involved in an agency um, and acquisition uh, and the, the, the costs and benefits, the risks of doing that and all the rest of it versus the time, effort and capital that would need to be injected into growing one from scratch or, I mean, obviously buying a franchise is another, uh, another, another thought for, for letting agencies. Um, and me being the sort of person that I am, what I wanted to do is become qualified as an agent so I could understand it. I also saw an opportunity to kind of, you know, get into the intellectual property. My, my, my assumption at the time would be, you know, the agents will know how to manage property better than anybody else, certainly better than anybody else who I'm, I'm likely to rub shoulders with. And therefore, there'd be a knowledge transfer there towards me. And I also wanted to go and get qualified um, as an agent uh, so that I could have the knowledge and, and the credibility really as well. Uh, because ultimately, if you're going to be a director shareholder of these businesses, I think you've got to walk the talk as well, rather than, you know, understanding the investment principles, but not much more than that. So wanted to learn, um, wanted to make my life easier, I suppose. And those are the things that led me to be uh, going out and training and trying to answer those questions about acquisition or uh, cold start and then ultimately going out and doing it you know trying to find opportunities uh, having conversations uh, making bids doing negotiation getting involved in stuff very good and how how did you uh, think about it from a value perspective in terms of your uh, so not not just the uh, direct financial benefit but uh, how did you see it impacting uh, where your overall value position would be uh, uh, over a period of time? Yeah, it's a, great, it's a great question because if you think about it, um, letting agencies are in control of millions and millions of pounds of other people's assets. Realistically, to be a viable going concern, tens of millions of pounds of other people's assets, if not hundreds of millions. So an incredible uh, responsibility um, and if you compared it to say a an IFA or someone like that they would sometimes be managing similar amounts of money maybe maybe more maybe two or three times more on average um, but there would be fewer people less infrastructure um, and 
frankly, it's a much more profitable business model to be an IFA, generally speaking, in terms of margins and things like that. So uh, it struck me as it, it being a strange thing that the industry, you know, the, the pay is, is quite poor, the hours are quite difficult. It, you can often be dealing with, it's, it's a difficult thing because your customers, your clients ultimately are often only getting in touch with you when there's a problem. So it's a constant firefighting and problem solving role. You've got to really like people to be to be involved in it and you've got to get a kick out of solving their problems. And, and don't get me wrong, you do get nice, um, nice correspondence from people occasionally saying what a great job you did and all the rest of it. But as you know, well, in this day and age, people are much more likely to take to the Internet, social media, etc. when something goes wrong than they are to take the time out of their day to write you a nice review. So you have to work really, really, uh, really, really hard on that stuff as well, just to get a fair picture normally in, in any business these days. So th this sort of, you know, disparity, I suppose, between the amount of responsibility that they had and then the opportunities that ultimately would no doubt be part of that. Um, and also the stability of the business, because you know, generally speaking, people own their properties for a long time, managed by an agent. They don't really like moving agencies. You've got to work quite hard to bring people away from other agencies. But the flip side is your clients are quite loyal. They're quite sticky. If they know you're doing a good job, the only reason they tend to leave is because they're selling up, which, of course, there has been much more of over the last few years. But then selling up offers all sorts of other opportunities in terms of have you got uh, a product by which they can sell quickly. So, for example, do you work with an auction company? Um, can you put it on the open market with the relevant skill if that's the right thing for your client to do? Can you offer them any other alternatives? Um, and ultimately, that might even include um, offering to purchase those properties as long as you fully disclose, you know, there's an offer from the directors of the agency or whatever. It doesn't cause any, any legal issues as long as you're upfront about it. And that outside perspective, uh, I think, is enormously valuable for uh, a small business owner or any business owner, really, that uh, is caught up doing what they do and, and, and can't, um, or can't, is perhaps uh, too strong a word, it hasn't, hasn't seen the opportunity which is right next to their existing business that could expand either their client base the range of services uh, or the value of their, their offering. Um, and, and when you're not in the midst of it, it's often easier to see that. And uh, you're, you're on the acquisition hunt at the moment. So you're looking to buy or to buy into uh, another independent agency. Uh, what, what sort of criteria do you have? I think the first one is ultimately, um, can I get to know, like, and trust the co-shareholders ultimately? So are we on the same page? Are we pushing towards the same things? So ideally, they'll already be property owners themselves, um, but they might be people who are aspiring to build property portfolios and just can't necessarily solve the relatively difficult financial structuring problems that you might have when you're trying to build a portfolio without just dumping hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of cash into it ultimately so that would be the first thing um it would be in an area where there are viable investments in terms of yield so if you're looking after stock that only yields sort of two or three percent somewhere then probably doesn't stack up particularly well for for my approach to um property property investment 
Um, but likewise, if it's in a, uh, a maybe maybe more northern area of the country or in the Midlands, uh, and the yields are higher, maybe down in the southwest, then that would be uh, a criteria that I'd be looking at. And I think it's someone who's got to see that value can be added by having a strategic partner um, who can talk about not only, and someone who's, who's spent quite a lot of money and time and effort on training, trying to work with the best in the business in terms of agencies, people who've acquired a couple of dozen agencies, been on courses, masterminds, this, that, the other. I've put many, many, many hours and, and tens of thousands of pounds into that um, in order to develop the underlying business, um, in order to develop offshoot businesses from the book because letting agencies are having a tough time realistically and if they're not maximizing all of their opportunities in terms of disposals in terms of new units in terms of all the rest of it um then they're not necessarily going anywhere it can be quite easy agencies tend to grow and then hit a ceiling and then they'll stay at that ceiling and that can be quite uh, a difficult thing i think for the uh, for the founders to to deal with on a day-by-day -day basis it's kind of a feeling of because most entrepreneurs want to go forward, you know, they want to go on. So it would you know, be quite I'm, common, I'd perceive, for a letting agent to get stuck in the middle, where they're uh, they've taken on a a level of 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 work, and and they've got um, they've got some of the overhead associated uh, with with doing things at a slightly bigger scale but they haven't got enough scale of customers to justify uh, spending the, uh, the time and the money on the, the stuff that will take it up another notch again. Caught in the middle, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And also there's lots and lots of, of textile solutions that can help out, which, you know, it's quite confusing when you're an agent to go to a property show or similar uh, exhibition and know what's good from what's bad and what might be worth investing time and money into on the software side in terms of helping for prospecting and things like that and that's again something that I've spent the I've done the legwork and spent the time and effort into into looking at yeah. and in terms of um, what what do you um, what do you see as the key uh, value that you bring into uh, the relationship? So I certainly think it's a, a, a little bit between strategic direction and some motivation and inspiration, really, because um, I think from getting feedback from my, my business partners, they like the way that I'm looking forward. So I'm looking at the sort of medium long term, but also I'm looking at the, the risk management downside as well. So I'm very keen to look at where businesses can scale um, and how they can improve, but not at all costs, if you like, Will, not 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 to put a disproportionate amount of risk into the equation in order to grow for growing sake. So it can sometimes be on the flip side that what you're better off doing in a, a larger agency is there might be, uh, you know, the Pareto rule is often one that people don't apply. So, you know, 80% of your profits may be coming from 20% of your customers and the other 80% might be actually break even or, or loss making business. So it takes an awful lot to, move on certain i mean I've, I've known lots of agencies with portfolio landlords that think they should be paying two percent management fees or four percent management fees and no one's really sat and done the calculations to say well you realize this business is actually is costing the business money you know they're, they're surviving off a margin that's thin enough in the first place but they're they're eating your margin 
Um, so it's it's having the and it, you, you know it's a lot easier to come from outside of a situation and take a helicopter style view and say right okay we need to focus on this area this area this area and this area and then here's the plan that we're going to put into action here's the thing we're going to do in those areas uh, and then we'll tweak that as we go along and have that sort of um, somewhere between a business consultant and a non-exec I suppose style approach and that obviously um, the ideal outcome is that uh, it gives a bit of clarity to the uh, existing management and uh, I, I suppose allows them to move forward and, and grow with confidence, I guess. That's right, yeah. And also, you know, the the model is kind of built on if you can manage to put on a few more units, then turnover goes up every year. That's great. If rents go up, then turnover also goes up. Yeah, there's a, uh, it's a fascinating um, area. Like I, uh, I come across uh, different types of letting agencies and uh, certainly in the independent part of the, uh, the market and they vary enormously in terms of their situations. One of our uh, investors in our social housing business um, had a, uh, an exit where they sold, um, they sold a single branch for a couple of million quid uh, yep. to one of the nationals, which sounded like a you know a, a great thing. Two partners, um, and uh, and they're concentrating on their you know their other property related interests now. And then you've got the um, I suppose the other end of the scale, um, the small landlord who's taken on a few other properties for other people, and uh, they're beleaguered. Uh, they're they're being uh, driven from dusk till, or, or from dawn till dusk, um, never, never seeming, seeming to get ahead and uh, really struggling to, to make that breakthrough. Uh, and then everything in between. Um, what, what, what's the ideal um, um, sort of situation in, you know, uh, perhaps each of those three scenarios, what, what, what do you think would be the two or three things people uh, should consider, um, you know, from the starting out and struggling to the somewhere in between uh, getting to the, the, the big paycheck at the other end or the, uh, the hands-off uh, ownership? Yeah, well, I think, you know, obvious statement really, but the bigger a business is, the easier it is to value. Um, doesn't necessarily mean the easier it is to sell, but letting agencies of the sort of size that you were talking about there are a fair bit easier to uh, to dispose of because there's you know usually several years of accounts, reasonably well kept. There'll be uh, a good steady income people can get stuck into. Banks will understand uh, valuations that are put on those and be able to support them financially. Um, if you go down to your other end of the spectrum example where someone's struggling along see it all the time in really small businesses um you know there's no contracts I, I i got involved in another agency several years ago that's local to me where when i got involved you know the staff weren't properly employed they were all fake self-employed if you like you know they didn't have uh security on the back of that and also one day hmrc were going to look into that and say this isn't right so 
that there's a number of risks involved at that sort of lower end. And also there's, you know, the, the business owner has to wear so many hats. They might be a really, really talented estate agent or letting agent, but they might be not very good with financials. They might be not very good with operations and processes because they, they work much more on the sales side. So if they don't do that setup part properly, one of the big things that attracted me so much to IPS was there was a proper accounts function set up with a qualified accountant and a qualified bookkeeper who did a job share, um, which is absolutely ideal because it, that bit that you, the, the beleaguered agent that you describe is often, you know, sitting in the dark room for four days a month, trying to work out the rents and arrears and this and that and the other. And it, it adds even more stress onto what's already a pretty stressful job and isn't really a nine to five, nine to five position, you know? So it's that, that difference between technician slash operator and business owner that people want to get to because ultimately a lot of people do end up or can get stuck near that point where really they're self-employed rather than being a business owner and there's a massive massive difference and it's not something that you can just sort of transition to overnight it takes time it takes dedication it takes a plan it takes investment it takes recruiting good people um, there's lots and lots of things involved in that so I think understanding some of that, and a great way to, to frame that is, is having a look at, is reading the book, The E-Myth, uh, or one of the variants of The E-Myth, Michael Gerber. Um, he describes that sort of technician versus entrepreneur really, really well. And lots of people say, I'm in business, whereas really they mean I'm self-employed and I happen to operate a limited company. So you don't want to get stuck in that latter trap. Um, you want to, to be able to grow so that, and people often say, you know, the obvious way to to uh, to, to uh, clarify that is, can you go away for three months um, and everything will still be running perfectly and look the same when you get back from your holiday? What, what would been, happen, I think, is the, the, the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of letting agents obviously can't can't necessarily do that because they are integral to the business. Um, uh, and but, I, I find it fascinating. Um, you know, there's a... Uh, there's a, a guy that we've, we've taken on um, uh, in one of the small portfolios that we're operating in, and uh, he's, he's really good at all sorts of stuff, and his, uh, his business is relatively small. I think there's uh, might be uh, three or four uh, full-timers on the team, and yep. they're, they're really good at the operations. They've got, uh, they've got all the tenant packs, all the compliance information. It's, it's recorded. You get reports. Um, but they've got no marketing. And the tenant, uh, like they're totally reliant on a single source of tenants, which, which means the, the range of choice when you need them is always going to be limited. And uh, one, of the, one of the ways that um, we're because uh, we are obviously wanting them to, um, you know, to do well. Uh, one of the ways we're helping them is we're helping them with their marketing. And someone like you would, uh, I imagine, take it to the next level uh, with a small independent agent. I would, I would certainly hope to try. Certainly, and from from uh, from the amount of time and effort I've invested into the, the knowledge side of it, and the, I'm, I'm relatively passionate about property, as you know, so. I'd, I'd hope I'd hope to try anyway, Will. Okay, just just rounding off the conversation, Adam. Like you, 
you touched on this at the start, but um, so uh, ho hopefully there's a few independent um, property management or, or estate agents that are in uh, listening in or, or uh, someone who knows one will, will forward this on to them. But what about landlords and, and that question that you asked? Um, if I'm um, if I'm thinking about doing this, am I better, you know, starting off cold myself and forming my own one? Am I better taking out a franchise, or should I acquire one? Um, what what would be your advice to a portfolio landlord who uh, is looking looking at their circumstance, uh, maybe a little bit frustrated with either the uh, quality or the cost or the some other aspect of their existing arrangements. And they're thinking, yeah. well, why don't I do it myself? What, what, what's, um, what would be your, your tips for that? So I think I'd deal with franchise first of all. I think when you look into the arrangements and you look into the, the history of, which is difficult to get hold of, but you know, you have to ask around for this sort of stuff, but the franchise owners tend to be uh, they, they come in first of all, they have to put a fairly significant amount of money in, averages about 150 grand total in terms of setup, get premises, get staff recruited and all the rest of it. And often after about two to three years, that, that money's gone and they're not making any money and they, they give it up and they, they sell it. They tend to move it on to the second person who then has to put in about another between 50 and 100 grand to carry on the investment that's needed to turn it into a going concern. And inevitably, like, like many people do, kind of throws in the towel just as they get to the peak. And then it's only the third owner of the franchise that comes in and actually makes any money when it's normally been established for about five years. Because of some of those factors we've already talked about in terms of how sticky landlords are with other agents, even if they're getting relatively bad service. Um, so I discounted franchise very, very quickly. Um, so then in terms of cold start, I think, Figures that when I looked at it, so we're going back about five years now, figures when I looked at it were again coming in around about that sort of 150 grand mark to come in and have a really good go at it, um, get someone good, uh, be more involved in the agency. And actually another agency that I helped a business to acquire, um, that we acquired for a pound, uh, the two directors are immensely successful property people. But in reality, over the course of three years, um had lost 250 grand in the agency that they'd set up and they were left with a losing concern and because they were significantly successful and well known in the local area they couldn't really fold the business without a significant amount of egg on their face so uh not only did they sell it for a pound they also underwrote the losses for us for the first six months of uh, of takeover so that was that was that just shows you how much money can be lost on a cold start um and even though they were the only estate agent in a relatively small but affluent village and had a really nice prominent location, um, it just wasn't enough to, to sort of get them anywhere near profitability. They were losing, I think, about four and a half, five grand a month when, when we took over, um, although we managed to turn a lot of that around very, very quickly. Um, so Cold Star, I thought, uh, obviously I didn't have that knowledge at the time, but from speaking to people, they talked about the amounts of money that would need to go in and the amounts of time. And I just thought that doesn't seem very sensible. How much does it cost to buy one? And then, of course, that's the proverbial piece of string question. But I managed to buy in for a, a fraction of the sort of money we've been talking about there. 
and also do a bit of a, an earn-out style deal, which of course you can structure these things however you want. So maybe pay the balance over 12 months, that sort of stuff. Um, and it worked for the vendor and it worked for me as a purchaser. And it was, you know, 500 times superior to, to trying to start one off the shelf, I think. But I was, I was lucky in that I got a really good partner who'd already built a really good and systemized going concern. Um, but I, I also made my own luck of it by having hundreds and, of um, Without blowing your tr own trumpet too much, Adam, how, how do you think it's worked out uh, for your business partner? Uh, well, really well, because as it always should do in a win-win situation, we've added uh, one of the best, the best bit that we did really was we were renting an office which had a couple of flats above it and a couple of houses behind all on one title. We managed to buy that from our landlord. And not only did we manage to buy it, we also managed to use our very modest uh, SaaS pensions that we had, uh, a number that was, uh, you know, a, a less than a six-figure sum of money between us that we were told was too small for a SaaS. And that's a dangerous thing to say to someone like me. Um, I was pretty determined <laughs> you can't to prove do that. <laughs> exactly. So we managed to buy um, the commercial and the resi elements in a, in a nice deal where the SAS took a loan and then loaned it back to our trading company, our agency. The agency bought the resi parts and the SAS bought the commercial part. And it turned around the cash flow. We now pay our rent to our pension. Um, it was a you know couple of thousand pound a month sort of deal that it's bringing in. We also, of course, you might say, bought it at a relatively keen price. Um, so we put on a lot of paper equity when we did the deal. And it's rather easy to manage those properties above and behind wheel, as you can imagine, because that's what we do. But also there's repurposing possibilities on those buildings in the long run as well. So that's worked out fantastically well for both myself and my business. But ultimately, you know, he, he introduced the, the, the pension guy who was brilliant. Um, I did the sort of creative bits of how we actually structure the deal. Pension guy made it legal and work properly. Um, and then we did the legals and took a while, took a few months, you know, as these things do. Um, but, but we got it done. That was a few years ago. So that's a really nice thing to have added to our portfolio. And we've gone on and done more commercial and residential deals in the local area from there, including development. So I think, I mean, obviously you'd have to ask him, but I think he'd be pretty happy with, uh, with, with our results. And that's ultimately what everybody needs to be judged by, isn't it? And, and you're, you're the dominant uh, players w within the town at this point? That's right, yes. So we do the most lets every month on an, all, on a, on an average month. Um, we've had quite a lot of smaller landlords leaving because of Section 24 reasons and things like that. So we tend now to get in fewer people but larger portfolios, which is a nicer way to run an agency, although I don't think you want to be sort of having two or three clients because that builds a big dependency but in the ideal world you know we're picking up people who've got five or ten properties or people who want to build a portfolio of five or ten properties which is a nice level that they're out doing their uh, deal finding and um, all the rest of it and they're leaving the compliance and the, the headachey stuff to us and our systems and processes which is again a win-win for both parties will really right well uh... Adam, um, you've given me at least three uh, future topics um, <laughs> as far as future episodes. Um, 
a real pleasure having you on. So uh, Adam Lawrence from ipsestates.com. Um, and for those of you who are struggling to understand my English, uh, my apologies, I'm from New Zealand. Uh, that, that's ipsestates, with an S, dot com. So Adam Lawrence, you're very welcome. I'm Will Mallard. This is My Property World. Thanks again, Will. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.